Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. You're here for our congregation of prayer for today, Friday, February 19th, 2021. And today we're going to take a little bit of a break from our normal normal study. We're going to consider uh, just a te- one text from St. John, chapter, 1 John, I should say, chapter 4, on brotherly love, and then maybe have a little meditation on that. Uh, the reason is that the school's out, so rather than have our normal catechesis, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, so that they don't miss it, as they would in their classroom, all right? And let's see, what else do I need to tell you? I think, yep, I sound good. All right, good. I don't want to distract you too much, but there we go. All right, let's get the devotion up on the screen, and then we'll be ready to begin. All right, let's start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. Say our psalm, Psalm 107, beginning in verse 17. Some were fools, through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction, they loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the evildoers. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. I got everything going here. Good. So our reading today is from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and us in, and, uh, and abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. All right, so that would have been great uh, for last week, Sunday, right? Uh, Valentine's Day. Of course, what is the love of God here that is spoken of? He tells us right towards the beginning. Verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the blood sacrifice for our sins, the blood atonement, the propitiation. All right, so now this is the key. This is the key. Um, Because love is often, as we described, or we discussed last week, love is often um, considered an emotion, primarily, and action, second, coming from emotion, right? So um, you're attracted to someone, erotic love, um, and so then, you know, you seek to marry them, for example, or um, maybe fornicate, but that's uh, not preferred. Um, Or for example, you have a brother whom you love, and so then you serve them, right? You care for them. Uh, That's the the philia kind of love, just using the Greek uh, kinds of love here. You have agape love, right? Which is the love God has for us, but we have for one another, which is that self-sacrificial love that you have for someone whom you care for. Does it start with the emotion and then with the action or the other way around, right? This actually affects uh, marriage because uh, you might look you might look unfavorably upon the character character of the marriages, say, in the scriptures, uh, or you could look to ancient writings. Um, you know, for example, uh, the marriage of Jacob to Leah, rather than to Rachel, right? Um, Leah was not attracted, he was not attracted to Leah, um, but he married her, and he loved her, and clearly um, he cared for her, um, although mm, there are statements that say he doesn't, 
Um, but, uh, you know, the offspring, Judah, by whom uh, David, and then, of course, the Savior is born, is born of Leah, whom Jacob did not regard as highly, right? Um, but he served her, and he cared for her, and provided for her, regardless of his feeling. And, and maybe perhaps his feelings changed for her over time. <laughs> All right. Um, now, we've talked a lot previously about, uh, the, from the Apology, the Augsburg Confession, uh, the section on love. Um, but love then, because it's t- speaking of Christ dying for us and for our sins, then it is directly related to the law. Love being the manifest expression of the gospel in Jesus, uh, but of course the gospel being forgiveness of sins, and sins then being revealed by the flesh. So listen to what uh, Melanchthon says about love in regards to the law. We profess that the work of the law must be begun in us, and that it must be kept continually more and more. At the same time, we also speak about both spiritual movements and outward good works. Therefore, the adversaries falsely charge that our theologians do not teach good works. They not only require good works, but they also show how they can be done. The result, this is they, meaning our theologians, not only require works, but also show how they can be done. It's not just any good work, but they're clearly defined. This is key. The result of teaching good works convicts the hypocrites who by their own powers try to fulfill the law, and I would also argue in their own way, for they cannot do the things they attempt. Human nature is far too weak to resist the devil by its own powers. He holds as captive everyone who has not been freed through faith. Call that the bondage of the will, quoting Luther. There is no need for Christ's power against the devil. Or excuse me, that's completely the opposite. Completely wrong. Let me correct that. There is need for Christ's power against the devil. For we know that for Christ's sake, we are heard and have the promise. We may pray for the governance and defense of the Holy Spirit, that we may neither be deceived and err, nor be pushed to do anything against God's will. We pray for the Holy Spirit, right, to work good works in us fruits of the Spirit, as we say. Psalm 68, verse 18, teaches this very thing. Quote, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men. Christ has overcome the devil and has given to us the promise of the Holy Spirit, in order that by his divine aid we ourselves may also overcome. So 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Again. We teach not only how the law can be kept, but also how God is pleased if anything is done. We we teach how the law is kept by the Ten Commandments, by the way, which you have to go back for that. And God is pleased when anything is done. This is not only because we satisfy the law, but because we are in Christ, as we shall explain shortly. Therefore, it is clear that we require good works. In fact, we also say this, our love for God even though it is small, cannot possibly be separated from faith. For we come to the Father through Christ. When forgiveness of sins has been received, then we are truly certain that we have a God, that is, that God cares for us. We call upon him, we give him thanks, we fear him, we love him, as 1 John 4 verse 19 teaches. We love because he first loved us. In other words, we love him because he gave us his, gave his son for us and forgave us our sins. In this way, John shows that faith comes first 
and love follows. Faith comes first, trust comes first, then fruits of faith follow love. Likewise, the faith of which we speak exists in repentance. I mean that faith is conceived in the terrors of conscience, which feels God's wrath against our sins and seeks forgiveness of sins, seeks to be freed from sin. In such terrors and other troubles, this faith ought to grow and be strengthened. Therefore, it cannot exist in people who live by the flesh, who are delighted by their own lusts and obey them. So, St. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So too, quote, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Romans 8, 12, 13. Paul is writing about faith that receives forgiveness of sins in a terrified heart and flees from such sin. Such faith does not remain in those who obey their desires, neither does it dwell with mortal sin. All right, so now here's the key. Uh, <laughs> love also, because it's a fruit of faith, then is born out of terrors and other troubles, right? So for example, we see a brother in need, right? Think of maybe um, friends or family that are in Texas, right? Oh, it's one thing to say, you know, to act, accuse of, oh, I don't know, the failure of the, the power grid and the elected leaders and their failure to have reserve supplies um, via coal or nuclear or something. But, um, but really, what is needed there? We have people who are living in great trouble who need um, help, who need help. Maybe they have to leave Texas for a time, although I don't think they should abandon. Um, and God willing, it'll warm up here and uh, be able to begin the road to recovery, right? Um, but find out, um, how can I care for you? Because you're troubled by what's happening to them. Also, love is born um, when you compare your life to the Ten Commandments, as um, Luther instructs us to do before confessing and being absolved, right? To consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a mother, father, son, etc.? Right? That actually reveals to us our shortcomings, but it also shows us then where love is needed. Love that is action, not just, not just uh, emotion. Right, so this is key. This is key. Um, this is from Luther's lectures on John. This is from John 14, verse 21. All right, which is, um, I'll read the text for you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. All right, so there you go. Just like Melanchthon did in the Apology, here Jesus himself says <laughs> um, that love is love of the Father, love of Christ is connected to his commandments, to keeping his word. This is precisely what we have always taught and still teach, namely, that where there is faith, the works of love must follow. I mean, the good and genuine works, like those of the apostles and preachers who preach fearlessly and faithfully, as well as the readiness of others to hear God's word and to adhere to it with their life and goods. All right, so notice how Luther primarily attaches the work of faith to both the preaching of God's word faithfully and the hearing of God's word. Right? Because without God's word, there can be no faith, and without God's word, there can be no informing one as to what love looks like, what, uh, what those fruits would be. Christ does not want the fake works of others. For instance, those of the monks and priests, the wearing of prescribed cowls and tonsures, uh, such and such a garb, their required way of eating, praying, and singing, 
For these works do not proceed from love. They are unprofitable and cannot be performed by knaves. They are works by which they risk nothing and incur no suffering. See? See where Melanchthon gets us, right? They incur, they risk nothing. There's no risk. And they incur no suffering. So love is not bound um, to suffering for the sake of faith. But to wager, um, do, and suffer all for Christ's sake, to be friendly and helpful to everyone, this gives proof of Christ's true presence through faith and also a true and sincere love for him. Let's read this again. But to wager, do, and suffer all for Christ's sake, to be friendly and helpful to everyone, this gives proof of Christ's true presence through faith and also of true and sincere love for him. For it is certain that no one else does this, as Christ declares later, He who does not love me does not keep my words. It is impossible and out of the question for anyone who does not love me with all his heart to do what I have commanded, namely, to proclaim me boldly and to wager and suffer everything cheerfully for my sake. But what will those who have such love for Christ get in return? Where is the profit in it? Christ says, This is how I will reward him. Whoever comes into the open and manifests himself as a true Christian will be loved by my Father, and I will also love him and manifest myself to him. What does this mean? Did not Christ just tell his disciples that they would be in him and he in them? Is not this already their lot by reason of their faith? Why does he say now that he will also love them and manifest himself to them? Has he not already done both? Yes, Christ has already begun to lay to, and has laid the first stone. He suffered for me. He has his gospel preached and has me baptized before I have asked for it or have known about him. As St. Paul says in Ephesians, 4, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4, which is, just as he chose us in him from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And in 1 John 4.19 we read, he first loved us. Then what does Christ mean here when he says that he will also love or he will love those who love him? This sounds as though he did not love them before this. What does he mean when he says that he will manifest himself to them now? Earlier, that is in verse 12, he stated that they should proclaim him. But this would be impossible if he had not revealed himself to them before this and they had not believed in him. This is the answer. When a Christian has made the beginning and is now in Christ, believes in him, and loves him, when he begins to proclaim him, to confess him, and to do what a Christian must do for the sake of the Lord, then the devil attacks. He pounces on him with such vehemence, inwardly with fear and anxiety, and outwardly by means of all sorts of perils and misfortunes, that he is without comfort. And it seems to the Christian that God is up there in heaven, in his heaven, not with us, but entirely oblivious to us, of us. For God conceals himself so thoroughly that all seems lost for us, and that there is no more help from him. And if God did not manifest himself and let us sense his love, we would be thrown into despair. Thus God gives the Christian two things. As I have explained in my commentary in Psalm 118, where he says, I shall not die, but I shall live. These two things are consolation and help. Consolation and help. He instills his consolation into the heart so that it clings to his grace and thus supports itself in distress and suffering. But if we are, were restricted to this comfort, no one would be able to endure. For the devil assails the heart sorely, especially the hearts of the apostles and of others like them, with severe spiritual trials. 
He distresses and oppresses them so hard and so long that he who has begun to believe and to be in Christ imagines that the devil is in his body and that Christ is nothing at all in, in him, but is far removed from him and has left him in the deepest abyss of hell with the devil. He feels nothing but sheer terror and sadness within and without. He feels hatred, envy, shame, and persecution by the world, yes, even by his own closest friends. Thus he cannot have a single hour of peace on earth. Surrounded on every side by evidence that he is forsaken, he is driven to say, What shall I do? What brings this misery down upon my head? If I had not been baptized and had not accepted the gospel, I would not be so wretched. Before this I enjoyed calm and tranquil days, but now I am disquieted by the devil and by myself night and day. This is the way it goes. He who comes to Christ and finds life and comfort in him must necessarily be tortured and plagued because of this. He supposes that he is struck in the devil's draws, or stuck in the devil's draws, and he feels only death and anguish of heart, but this cannot last eternally and forever, otherwise no one could endure it. No, also the second part, namely, help and relief must follow from without. Thus St. Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore Christ consoles his suffering Christians here with the assurance that he will make his love apparent to them and will manifest himself to them. As though he were to say, quote, Just continue with your love and hold fast, even though it seems to you that I have gone as far from you as heaven is from the earth. For now you sometimes have an hour of adversity and do not feel me in you. Dark clouds eclipse the sun and sheer terror and fear oppress you. Thus Psalm 116 verse 3 laments, The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of hell laid hold of me. Or Psalm 142 verse 4, No refuge remains to me. At such times there is no Christ, and you know nothing of him, even though, in fact, you are truly in Christ, and Christ is in you, since you are baptized and believe. You would have to despair, and neither baptism nor the gospel could save you, if it were not for this greater comfort. It just keeps going and going. So beautiful, isn't it? Right? So the love, he loved us before we loved him, and actually his love for us, namely in preaching to us his forgiveness and baptizing us into his name, is, is the promise of his abiding presence with us, and that should comfort us. Uh, but notice that Luther also recognizes that God makes his love manifest to us as he delivers us from temptation, trial, and sickness, and, um, and even death. All right? Now, can we put our faith or trust in that? No, it's in the word that he has spoken. Right? But we do pray for relief. Right? Um, that we may not be overcome and that our faith not be made shipwreck, as Augustine says. But it all begins with Christ's love for us, and only then can we have comfort and consolation in times of need and distress. All right, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Love. <laughs> all right, let's continue by confessing the sacrament of the altar. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to, his, to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, 
and remembrance of me. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I come to your altar at your invitation to receive the holy body and precious blood of my Savior Jesus Christ. I confess to you all my sins. I am heartily sorry for them. For Jesus' sake, I forgive my enemies and all who have sinned against me. I believe that you give me the forgiveness of sins and the gift of new life and salvation through the body and blood of my Savior. Through the Lord's Supper, strengthen my faith in Christ, increase my love for others, grant me faithfulness in my vocation, and give me the joyous hope and confidence of eternal life and salvation in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We pray for all our first responders, doctors, nurses, and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. Pray for an end to all fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry. Pray for deliverance from all authoritarian, tyrannical, and dictatorial rule. Pray for all women with child and all mothers with infant children, increasing happiness in their blessings. That the Lord defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving today with Sandy, who celebrates her birthday so I won't see her in the office, I'm sure, Uh, with Luke and David, who celebrate their baptism. We give thanks to the Lord for the gift of life. My daughter, Dorothy Ann, who's doing fantastic. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, that the Lord grant them healing and relief according to his will, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, Sandy, Linda, and Ken, Aaron, and Penny. Our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. And the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan Lutheran High School and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, O Lord. We praise thee. Maybe. Oh no. Maybe we can't sing it because the audio is not working like it's supposed to. All right. Well, I guess we can, uh, I'll speak it today. (laughs) O Lord, we praise thee, bless thee, and adore thee. In thanksgiving we bow before thee. Thou with thy body and thy blood didst nourish our weak souls, that they may flourish. O Lord, have mercy. May thy body, Lord, born of Mary, that our sins and sorrows did carry, and thy blood for us plead, 
in all trial, fear, and need. O Lord, have mercy. Thy holy body unto death was given, life to win for us in heaven. No greater love than this to thee could bind us. May this feast thereof remind us. O Lord, have mercy. Lord, thy kindness did so constrain thee that thy blood should bless and sustain me. All our debt thou hast paid. Peace with God once more is made. O Lord, have mercy. All right. So that concludes our devotion for today. Again, February 19th, 2021. Good to have you all. Uh, Hopefully that was a blessing to you, understanding the relationship of faith to works and the law. Um, Note that faith comes first, then love follows. Love, which is according to the law, that is according to the Ten Commands. All right, so we love our neighbor as Christ has loved us, that is by fulfilling that law. Very good. Uh, You can join us tomorrow again at 9 a.m. Saturday as we'll prepare for Sunday's divine service. Uh, And I encourage you, of course, um, to do so. So we'll see you in the morning. Lord be with you all today and have have a blessed day.